Let's now continue with the liturgy of the Word, the preaching of the Word, for which we've also earlier prayed for God's blessing. We'll read together from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 23 in the Pew Bible, page 1065, 1065. In this reading, the Lord Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees about some of His or His disciples' actions on the Sabbath day, and in response, we learn something about the nature of the Sabbath day, and that helps us to understand our text in Genesis 2, where God uh, institutes a blessing over the seventh day or the Sabbath day. Mark 2, verse 23, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to Him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And He said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether He would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse Him. And He said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And He said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 2, continuing our series of sermons on these early chapters of Genesis. We'll be focusing on the verses 1 through 3. So, just as a recap, in Genesis 1 is described the creation of the world in six days, and then comes the climax, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So far our text, in response to the Preaching will sing two songs back to back. Psalm 62 stanzas 1 and 4, 
in which we confess that we find our rest in God alone, and then we'll sing along with that hymn 7, stanzas 2 and 5, which ties it in with the fourth commandment about the day of rest, the Sabbath day. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, throughout Genesis 1, we've seen God's creative activity and how it comes to a climax on day 6. In a very pointed and deliberate manner, the Lord took six days to create the world, beginning with its foundations, moving on to various life forms, and finally crowning it all with His, his last creative act, the making of mankind. Man is not only the last of God's works, but also the closest to God Himself, for God made man in His own image, we read, in His own likeness, His spiritual likeness. So Genesis 1 ends on a, a crescendo of God's amazing works. God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. But we would be mistaken to think that the creation account is now over, that everything comes to a halt on the sixth day, for there is also a seventh day. Now, unfortunately, the chapter divisions in our English Bibles kind of get in the way of this. There's a division between chapters 1 and 2, and they're not original to the Bible, by the way. They're not in the original Hebrew, um, and they were put here later on in history. So they're not something God has designed, and we have to sometimes look past what are artificial separators to see that the connection that God put there. The first six days of the week and the last day, day seven, they really do belong together. They're a unit. The seven days are something that God designed to form one week. God's creative work was was finished on the sixth day, to be sure, but His purpose in creating the world only comes to light on the seventh day, the day of rest. All the preceding works of God's hands, every act of creation leads up to the celebration of the Sabbath day. That's what I may proclaim to you this afternoon under this theme, God gives the day of rest as a blessing for man. God gives the day of rest as a blessing for man. We will see the divine pattern as well as the divine purpose. Well, our text begins, chapter 2, verse 1, with these words, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. It's a summary statement of all the previous work of the six days, and Moses wants to leave no doubt that by the end of the sixth day, creation was completed. But that's not the end of the story. We understand it could have been the end of the story, right? It would have been a simple matter for the Lord to do something different than He did. Creation was over. 
you could imagine God saying, everything was good. Okay, now let's carry on with the work, the business of creation. Let man begin his task to subdue the earth. Let my name be glorified in man's work. When you read through Genesis 1 and you come to the end of verse 31, you could be fully expecting that there would be a six-day week with every day meant for work. But God chose to do something different. He institutes another day, a very, very special day. Verse 2 of our text reads, And on the seventh day God finished the work He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. The Creator deliberately took an extra day, you see, not to create anything, but specifically to rest from the work of creating. And in doing so, the Lord made the week seven days, not six. The divine pattern from the very beginning of the world, brothers and sisters, has been six days work, one day rest. Do you see, beloved, how the Lord firmly establishes Himself as sovereign over time and over what you and I do with our time? It's actually His time. On day six, God created humanity and gave us a certain calling to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion over the world. So, He's clearly Lord over us humans and our activities, our tasks. But on day seven, God establishes a day on which there is to be no regular work, but rather rest. And so, the Lord really makes clear that He is sovereign over our time, not just over our tasks. The pattern God lays down here is to be our pattern. On day seven, the Creator took time off, so to speak. We'll talk about why He did so in a few minutes. But if God designates day seven as holy, which He does, if God says day seven is a blessed day, I'm going to bless day seven, if God rests from His work on this holy and blessed day, how could the two humans He created in His image not follow that same pattern? Who was it that was supposed to keep the day holy if it was not man? As Jesus said in Mark 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. It wasn't made for God. God didn't need this day. He has no needs. He set this day aside as a holy blessing for His sons and daughters. The Sabbath was made for humanity. And there can be no doubt that this seventh day of our text is the same as the day of rest later called the Sabbath day. It is not, as some think, just a holy day for Israel, like the Sabbath being a, a special Israelite holiday until the coming of Christ. That's what some think. There are those who believe that the Sabbath was entirely a Jewish day given for the first time at Mount Sinai. 
just a, a temporary institution, a holy day that no longer applies in the new covenant because the old covenant is obsolete. But Scripture shows us something different, shows us that God established the day of rest at creation and intended it not just for the Jews, but for the whole human race. Now, it's true that the expression Sabbath day does not appear in Genesis 2, 1, 2, and 3. It doesn't appear until later in Scripture. But you know, when it does first appear, that's in Exodus 16, verse 23, Moses just simply mentions this Sabbath day without introduction or explanation of where it comes from as if the Israelites knew all about it. He just mentions it, Exodus 16, check it out. The next time it comes up in the Bible is Exodus 20 as the fourth of God's Ten Commandments. And listen how the Lord Himself defines the Sabbath and links it back to Genesis. The Lord says this, Exodus 20, "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth.'" the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Here it comes. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You hear that? God points right back to Genesis 2, and He simply interchanges the phrase seventh day with the phrase Sabbath day. The two are one and the same, brothers and sisters, Sabbath and seventh Notice also the same words coming back in the fourth commandment from Genesis 2, the word work. It's found three times in Genesis 2. It's found twice in the fourth commandment. The verb rest, found twice in Genesis 2. It comes back once in the fourth commandment. And even more, that Hebrew word for rest is the root of the very word Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is a, a word we have in English, but it's just taken over from Hebrew. So, you already know one Hebrew word. That's the word Sabbath. It just has come into the English language, and that word Sabbath means to seize or to rest. So, you can quite literally say that God Sabbathed on day seven, and in the fourth commandment commands His people to also Sabbath on day seven. Everything about the fourth commandment harkens back to the seventh day of creation where God set that seventh day, that Sabbath day aside as holy and blessed. This means, beloved, that the day of rest carries on also today. Just like the cultural mandate of Genesis 1 and the institution of marriage of Genesis 2, continues so long as this earth continues, so also the pattern of six days work, one day rest also continues. It's the pattern given by the Creator which all humans are meant to follow. It was never abolished, this pattern, least of all by our Lord Jesus. You know, a lot of people think that Christ put an end to the Sabbath day. But when you read the Gospels, you discover again and again that the Lord Jesus did everything He could to uphold the Sabbath, to honor the Sabbath, to fulfill its true meaning. 
as we read an example of that from Mark 2 and 3. You see, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, they had turned the Sabbath day into something miserable, insisting on do's and don'ts, rule upon rule of their own making, I hasten to add. The rules they are insisting on in Mark 2 are of their own making, as if God actually commanded that people couldn't grind grains from standing stalks in their fingers and eat them on the Sabbath day. That's nonsense, not in the Old Testament laws. The Pharisees made the day such a misery that they would insist people go hungry rather than pick grain from the field and eat it. They considered it unlawful to heal a person on the Sabbath. That's how far gone they were. The Lord never gave such commands. But Jesus showed that of all the days of the week, the Sabbath was to be the day of refreshment, a day of encouragement, a day of restoration for man, especially for God's people who have been redeemed from the slavery to sin. And so he said, let my disciples alone. They can pick the grain and eat. And I'm going to heal this man whether you think it's right or not because it's the right thing to do on the Sabbath. So the Lord Jesus is not, didn't demolish or abolish that Sabbath. He upheld it. This divine pattern of six days work, one day rest, has not in its essence changed since creation. It's true that since the fall into sin, the Sabbath has taken on additional significance, but it never lost its original significance. The Lord later under Moses incorporated the Sabbath into the system of ceremonial law, and He used the Sabbath day to foreshadow the spiritual rest from sin that we would have in Christ, but that never canceled out the original resting from our labor in a sinless world. In fact, in our fallen world, we need the Sabbath more than ever, don't we? We need that, that rest from work and that rest from sin even more than ever before. For unlike Adam, we work in this creation under the, the, the curse of sin, under the effects of sin. That curse still hangs over all of creation. It still affects our work no matter what industry you're in. We still have to till the earth as God said to Adam in Genesis 3. We have to till the earth by the sweat of our brow. Work is not easy. Just think of how your daily employment goes. Does anybody have a job where everything goes smoothly every day of the week, week in, week out, month after month, year after year, where it's just tickety-boo? Moms, think of the moms, some of the hardest working people around, they have to manage temperamental and moody children who don't always obey. Managers have to keep in line employees who bicker or complain or who come with their demands or who do inferior work. Mechanics have to wrestle constantly with cantankerous car parts that don't want to get fixed. Students have to struggle at times with, with math or English or phys ed. 
electricians and landscapers, they have to put up with faulty materials or tools or unpleasant workspaces. Salesmen have to deal with supply lines that don't always deliver on time and customers who don't always pay as promised. Truckers have to combat traffic jams and and many other things along the way. Is there anybody here or anywhere who will say, my job, it's easy, every day, piece of cake, no sweat. Our labor is taxed by the curse of sin. We need a day of rest now more than ever before. Why would we chuck that away? Why would we rail against that? Let's embrace the day of rest, beloved. Let us be thankful for it. It's God's gift to us. A day on which we may be refreshed physically and spiritually. It's a weekly oasis in what is often a very trying and burdensome work week. It's a day for us to be renewed in the Lord. That's the the great focus of this day of rest. For as valuable and as important as the physical rest from labor is to our bodies, there's a lot more to this Sabbath rest. The Lord says in verse 3 of our text, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. The pattern is very clear. God rested on the seventh day so that man should rest on the seventh day. But the question is, what does it mean that God rested? If we are to pattern our rest after God's rest, what did God do when He rested? What is the purpose in that? When we think of the word rest, we often think of relaxation, maybe taking a a needed breather from work or study, Maybe some of you or your dads or your moms took a nap earlier this afternoon before coming to church. I did. Is that the kind of rest God is talking about? Is that what He did on that first Sabbath? Well, to ask the question is to answer it. Of course we know that's not the kind of rest God was talking about because Scripture says elsewhere that the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers. In fact, even on the Sabbath day, God continues to uphold the entire world by His providential power. If the Lord did not maintain the fabric of creation by His will, by His fatherly hand, every second of every day, the world would just implode. So God is always busy with His power. No, we read here that the Lord rested from a particular work. He ceased doing something particular. Verse 3, God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. God had busied Himself, so to speak, over six days, creating all kinds of new things. And then at the, on day six, He brought that work to completion. He ceased. Why? Let's think about this for a moment. The Lord could have, if He had so desired, He could have continued with His work of creating new things. Each day for eternity, God could have created something new, right? I mean, He's almighty. 
His power is limitless. You and I couldn't create forever and ever. We, we can't even create at the level God can, but He would never run out of ideas. He would never run out of power. Instead, God's plan was to put an end to His work of creating in order to take time, deliberately take time to enjoy that completed work in communion with man, the creature made in His own image. How do we know this, you ask? It's true that it is not stated, this purpose, in our text, but it is clearly implied. For look at how the Lord treats this day, and God blesses, or God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He blessed this day. We already looked at that. For whom did He bless it? Not for the angels, not for the animals, not for Himself. It has to be for man. Just as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. So man is the beneficiary of God's blessing of the seventh day. What does it mean that God blessed the seventh day? Well, God explains it by saying, and made it holy. That's the way that God blessed this day. Well, what's that all about? Something holy in Scripture is something that's dedicated to the Lord. That something is set apart from all other uses it might have had, and it is, it is to be focused on serving the Lord. So, day number seven is a blessed day, for on this day mankind is to give their full attention to the Lord their God. They're to be busy communing with Him. Don't get me wrong, certainly God is to be served on the other six days of the week in all the work of man's hands. But on the Sabbath day, those hands that were working the other six, those hands have to fall quiet. And the minds which were busy thinking about how to develop creation's potential and, and subdue the earth and have dominion over the earth, those minds, those minds have to go quiet. And all attention needs to be given to the Creator who has stopped His work to give attention to the creature, man. God dedicated this seventh day where He could spend time with His image, mankind, and where man could worship Him. Personal fellowship. You see, brothers and sisters, this this is the great goal. This is the great climax of the creation week. On day six, we were commanded to work, and our daily labor, that's a good thing, as we, we, we talked about that last time. God certainly takes pleasure in our labor when we are working to honor Him, but day six is not the final day of creation. The Sabbath is. We are not to work and work and work Work is, is a means to a higher end, and that higher end is on day seven. That higher end is to be in fellowship with our God. The Lord wants most of all to take pleasure in man himself. God's work, it led up to the beauty of the Sabbath rest. And every week, your work leads up to the beauty of Sabbath rest each Lord's Day where you and I can gather and commune with our Father in heaven and our Savior Jesus Christ through His Spirit. Do you see what a, what a precious gift that is 
What an advantage that is to us. The Lord wants man to, to set down his busyness, to lay down his occupation, his entertainment, his activities, his distractions of the other days. And he wants his sons and daughters to, to be still in his presence. Your God wants you. Do you want Him? That's a question we all need to give thought to. God gave this day of rest in order to enjoy keeping company with you and me. Do we enjoy keeping company with Him? Or does Sunday feel like a drag to you? Something you, you can't wait to get behind you. You can look at Sunday as either a day of limitations that you are always chafing against, or you can embrace it as a day of opportunity. How do you look at this day? Do you begrudge not working? not going to a sporting event, not going to the movies, not being busy with schoolwork or whatever else? Or do you look forward to a day where all of that is set aside and you can be focused on hearing God speak to you in the worship services, spending time in the company of His uh, people, speaking about the Lord's work and speaking about walking with the Lord? Are you in the habit of thinking and meditating on the Lord and His Word and His world and His people? Or is that an irritation for you? Are Sundays a balm for your soul? Or is it something you wish you didn't have to put up with? Sunday is a holy day, says our text. The, Lord, the day of rest is a holy day to the Lord, to the Lord. It's His day. So if it bugs you that you can't do certain things on that day, what does the Lord really mean to you? It's, it's really a heart test. What does the day of rest mean to you? Let's all examine ourselves to see whether we embrace this beautiful gift of the day of rest, whether we see that it's not so much a duty as a privilege. Sometimes people ask, why do we have to go to church twice? I mean, really, why do we have to go to church twice, they say. Well, when you understand that here at church, we come into the presence of our God we meet with Him. He's here in the building through His Spirit. We hear His Word explained. We bring to our God our prayers and our praises. When you understand that coming to church is like stepping for a moment into the Garden of Eden to walk with your God, to talk with your God, Father, Son, and Spirit, together with God's people, then such a question what does it do? It fades away, right? That's an irrelevant question. 
What child of God wouldn't want to spend time in the company of the Lord and His people? It's not about having to go to church, but about wanting to go to church and having the privileged freedom to do so. Every Sunday here, we have a taste of Eden, a foretaste of glory. That's the very purpose for which God sent His only begotten Son into the world. For when we humans fell in our first parents in the garden, the Sabbath day was, was one of the first things ruined, wasn't it? It was never the same anymore. Fellowship with God was broken. We were cast out of the garden. When once God came daily to walk in the Garden of Eden to speak with Adam and Eve, God expelled us from the garden and no longer had that intimate fellowship, that Sabbath communion. Sabbath communion was emptied and became a hollow shell of what it once was. But Jesus has come to restore that Sabbath rest. We saw it this day in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. The blood of Christ was shed the body of Jesus was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins so that we might be welcomed again into the presence of God, so that we might have holy communion with Him, so that when we come here Sunday by Sunday, the first thing we hear is God's grace and peace to you. That is rest for the soul. That's Sabbath in itself. Jesus came to give us the Sabbath, the full Sabbath, back again. You know, when you see it this way, then that question I mentioned a few moments ago, that disappears. And you'll come with a better question, a relevant question, a meaningful question that God Himself will be pleased with. The question will be, what can I do to embrace fellowship with my God on the day of rest. What can I do to maximize the Sabbath rest? How can I get closer to my God on this day? How can I improve my praise of His name? In what ways can I promote fellowship with the Lord in my family, in the church, and even among my neighbors. How can I get people interested in this beautiful Sabbath rest? When that's your perspective, then you will experience the blessedness of the Sabbath as the Lord gave it from the beginning, a day of deep refreshment in body and soul, then the Sabbath will be for you a delight, something that gives joy to your soul and brings glory to your God. Amen.